0: Well, this morning, we're going to be in um, Psalm 139. So if you have uh, your scriptures, I encourage you to go ahead and um, pull them up. We're going to look at Psalm 139. This is God's word right uh, this morning. To so the choir master, a psalm of David. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up, you discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all of my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all together. You have me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Where can I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you were there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you were there. But take my wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea. Even your hand there shall lead me. And your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me. And, my, and the light about me be night. Even the darkness is not dark to you. And the night is as bright as the day. For darkness is as light with you. For you know my inward parts, you knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, and my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, integrately woven in the depths of the earth. You saw; Your eyes saw my unformed substance, in your book were written every one of them. The days that were formed for me, when yet, as yet there were none of them. How precious to me are your thoughts O God, how vast is the sum of them, If I would count them, they are more than the sand. I awake and I am still with you. Oh, that you would slay the wicked, O God. O O men of blood, uh, depart from me. They speak against you with malicious intent. Your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with complete hatred. I count them my enemies. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there is any grievous way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. This is God's word. Do you have a friend that uh, knows you better than you know yourself? I think we all can agree that there is at least one or two people in our lives, whether it be a spouse, parent, best friend, uh, uh, someone who has walked alongside of you all of the days of your life. And uh, right now, many of you are thinking of that person right now. uh, And you would say that they would know your thoughts. They know what you're thinking at a particular moment. They've been with you enough that they know how you're going to act. They know your playbook. They know that you're going to tell that same story that they have told you've told over and over and over again, and yet they will be gracious enough to let you tell that story. Now, sometimes they may just cut you off and go, "Yeah, I, I know that story. That one time you told me that one thing." But it, most times, that friend. Is somebody who just kind of goes along with it they know your ways it's a comfort to have somebody who is that close to you in your life and i think that david in this song this morning is expressing that sort of relationship but with god david has such a relationship with god that it it comes across as this intimate and vulnerable relationship in which he himself finds comfort there's a few things that I noticed this morning in this that really stand out. First and foremost, i noticed that the writer uh, knows that he is known by God. There is this deep and abiding and intimate relationship there. I mean, look at listen to when he, how he starts it off. Lord, you have searched me and known me. When he says that, what the word searched mean is not like a, 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 a spotlight shining in your car if you get pulled over not saying that's ever happened. But it is the word for it means investigate. It's as if God has investigated David's life and said, a, a, and shown his divine uh, illumination in all areas of his life. He has investigated David. But then he goes on to say, not only have you investigated me, he says, you know me, relationally, uh, uh, you know, behaviorally spiritually, all of those things that make David, David, God has investigated them and has known David intimately. He goes on later to say that he uh, is intricately made. David is saying here that he knows God because God made him. I love these words that he says here. You have formed my inward parts. You knew before I was me. You knew all of what's going to happen. You are my creator. He also says, you are with me. I love that line. It says, I awake and I am still with you. There is this deep, intimate relationship between David and God that, quite frankly, uh, is at, at, the, at one point just seems impossible and the other point seems totally desirable. Like, how can I get this too? What else I notice is that the writer is cherishing the things that God, that make God, God. Now, oftentimes, I think we look at God from a perspective of either uh, an intrusive uh, enemy or an annoying parent. But David here is, uh, is excited and cherishes the things that make God God. He cherishes God's omniscience or God's ability to know all things. He cherishes that whatever can be known, God is capable of knowing it. To put it bluntly, God knows David's playbook. He knows exactly how David will respond in all areas and instances. He's not shocked or surprised by anything that David does. I love what he says. You know my days before they were written. David's playbook is not a surprise to God. And David is uh, uh, pleased by this. It is not something that David is like, you know, cowering and hiding. He's not fig leafing it, if you catch my understanding it. But also, not only is God a mission, but God is also omnipresent. And David loves this. He says, there's nowhere where God cannot be. God is not limited by time or space. I love what he says. Where can I go from your presence? Where can I flee from your spirit? If I go here, you're there. If I go over there, you're there. If I go to heaven, you're there. If I die and go to the grave, you're there. Where can I go? And the answer is simply nowhere. It's like playing hide and seek with God. If I hide in this place, maybe he won't find me. And God's like, no, I'll just let you think that you can't find me. And then I'll find you. So David loves God's omniscience and his omnipresence. But he also loves that God is a a beneficent creator. When God creates David and creates humanity, he does it out of love. He's not doing it out of cruelty or out of some uh, uh, weird sort of, you know, Maleficent um, intent, he does it because he is love. He says, you saw my, you saw me, you made me, you saw my unformed substance uh, in my mother's womb. You put me together. One of my, uh, uh, the years that I, when I was a child, uh, my parents would give me Legos I love the Legos. I especially love the Legos that were the engineer set where you had a little battery package, you can make robots. And I thought that was the coolest thing ever. And when I made those things, I didn't make them because I wanted to, you know, take over the world, although I'm sure that's probably what it was in my brain. But when I made this stuff, I made them I love, like, oh, just because there and I could make it, I know how it works. And God is like that. God has a part in the special creation of all humanity each one of us is fashioned in the image of God in his likeness and to David this is a beautiful thing he's grateful for it but also i noticed finally that the writer is in, uh, invites god and welcomes his presence into the recesses and the dark spaces inside of us he values god's thoughts i noticed that here it says your your thoughts are so precious there's so many if i was to think on them my brain would explode he's like he's like a uh, if you've watched the, the, um, the second Hobbit movie, uh, The Deso- Desolation of Smaug, and uh, there's this giant treasure that the dragon sits in, and it's just gold everywhere. Well, when I think of God's thoughts, David is saying, he's saying, this is what it's like. It's like standing in a giant treasure pile, having no ability to comprehend the, the vast immensity, immensity and value of what God thinks, but he wants to know. He's like, even though it would explode my soul, Oh, Lord, just let me, I want to know what you think about me. I want you to tell me all that you see. I want to know all about you, and you tell me uh, uh, the things about me that I don't even know about myself. He values what God thinks. But he also values what God thinks in terms of God's own uh, uh, personality and what God likes and dislikes. See, in God, uh, David is reforming his affections and his allegiances. But you notice here later on, he says some pretty powerful things, some emotive things that come out of him. Like, God, I hate all the things that you hate. I don't know if you've ever done that before, but if you've ever tried to impress somebody and you just blurt out emotive things, just like just so you get on their good side. Like, you know, if, if someone is a, a Broncos fan and you're sort of a Broncos fan, but you really want to get in with them, you just start researching and start blurting out, yeah, we hate the Raiders too, which we do. Please, if you don't hate the Raiders, Uh, we're going to have to have some pastoral counseling here about that. But it's like that. David is emoting here. He's just like, God, I want to be with you so much and know all your thoughts that I, I don't want to like the things you don't like and I want to like all the things you do like. He's being reformed on the inside. And he's trusting in God's eternal reformation process. And he's cultivating this vulnerability with God. He's like, God, I'm an open book, and you wouldn't need that, but open here it is. We're inside of me of the bad stuff, because even the blind spots, I cannot see. God, here I am. Open heart, open mind. Come in. Shine your light on me. That's David. What does it mean for you and I, though? What is God saying to us in this psalm? I think God is trying to communicate to us this morning that he can be trusted with our very lives. And I know that's really hard for some of us. A lot of us have been through such pain and sorrow and grief and rough times, and it seems like they never end. And some of the things that we're going through are either personally created or their circumstances, but whatever it is, we've created this shield around our own hearts and our souls, and we've locked inside of our, uh, uh, our inner being these places where we're like, I'm not letting God in. I, I'll let him in the front door, but he can't see the closet downstairs in the basement that's unfinished full of stuff that we uh, have accumulated over the years. And I, I'm not, not going to let him into that part. But I think Psalm 139, David is explaining to us and God is encouraging us to say, you can trust me. See, with God, it, let me just set the stage here. With God, there's no such thing as privacy. As a parent, uh, and, and, and I speak to parents out there about it. We have the run of the roost and there's no real such thing as true privacy in our, uh, with our, uh, our kids. We have the ability to know them so well that, that we see inside of their lives. And that can be somewhat of an annoyance at times. But with God, he knows your playbook. What you do in your life and how you live is not a shock to him. He made you. He knows you better than you know yourself. And while it doesn't surprise him, and your worst is not a shock to him, he does not not avoid you. He he is constantly coming to you. He is constantly invading, in a sense, your life, even gently. His presence cannot be avoided forever or escaped from. But that being said, God is good. Let me just say that again. Even though with God there is no privacy, God is good. He's not interested in harming you. He's not interested in invading your life, throwing your your room into disarray and trashing your entire insides. He's not interested in that. What he's interested in doing is recreating you, slowly, gently, lovingly. God is good, and He is seeking to bless you and not harm you. And while at times it does seem that way. I know that many of you have, have experienced all sorts of terrible things and you think that God must hate you and God must really not care a whole lot about you, but the reverse of that is true. God is reforming you and sometimes those things are difficult to go through. In order for you to become more and more like his son, let me just tell you, God is good and can, can be trusted completely. First and foremost, he created you. Each one of you carries carries the image of God in you. Each one of you, no matter your skin color, no matter your gender, no matter if you work a, a, a job that is menial or you are a superstar in the eyes of society, God has created each one of us as his image bearer. And we all have intrinsic value. And God wants to be with you. Think of that. The God of the universe, the one who called the world into being, said, let there be light, says, I want to be with you. I want to be in your world. I want to be with you in your life. He uh, loved creating you, and he wants to work with you where you are to make you more and more human. So if God is inescapable and also good, then we are simply faced with a choice on how we ought to proceed. We can either respond to him with faith or with fleeing. And as we said before, fleeing is mostly futile. However, it's often our first choice. We play hide and seek with God. We either avoid him in his word. We're like, I just don't want to have anything to do with him. So I'm not going to open the pages of the scripture. I'm not, going to, I'm not going to deal with them. I'm just going to put it off to the side uh, and bring it out for when the, you know, the pastor comes over to the house. We avoid him in community. We say, I don't want to be around God's people. I've been too hurt, too wounded, too beat up, too ignored, too vilified. I I don't want to be around God. I want want to flee God by not being in his community of people. Oftentimes, we'll even avoid him in prayer as well. I'm not going to talk to him. I'm not going to be around him. Sometimes we even avoid him in creation. We hole up inside of our houses. We keep the lights off. We slink into ourselves. We turn into ourselves. And we ignore this amazing creation that God has made. But the problem is, is that, as we said before, God cannot be avoided. And while God is gentle, he still knows your playbook. He still knows how to get to you. There is no place you can run, even if you consider that is uh, something you can do. Clearly, then, I think David is giving us the idea that if God is good and can be trusted with our very lives, then trusting Him in faith is the far better choice. So, how should we respond to this? If God is good, and I believe that He is, and I believe the Scriptures bear it out, and I believe the, the testimony of His saints over the years bear out that God is a good God, how do we respond? Well, it comes down to two things here. One, how do you see him? If, if you see God as a loving father, or do you see him as a tyrant? As a kid with a magnifying glass ready right, to burn and, and burn the, the little ants called humans, how do you see God? Well, if you relate to the writer in, in, in his own vulnerability before God and, and trusting God, he wants you to trust him more. He wants you to open yourself up to him when you pray. He wants you to say, just like David said, Lord, search me and know me. Know if there's any grievous way within me. Here's my heart. Here's all of me, God. Take me. Let, let's let's begin this beautiful relationship with one another. Shine your light into the dark recesses of my own soul. You can trust God when, by praying, God, there are rooms in my heart that I purposely kept from you and you know what's in them, but I open my heart to you, shine your light on them so that whatever is not of you may be dealt with gently so that you may fill me more with your presence. And as we begin to trust him more deeply, we might ask his spirit to shine divine light into those places. And as God begins to do, deal with those darknesses in our life, we have to submit to his work and allow him to reform the interior of our lives. And as he does that, he begins to speak to us. Sometimes with audio, of, audibly. Sometimes it's just straight out of his words. Sometimes it's other people. But as we begin to trust him, and listen to him, he begins to speak. I love what it says here. It says, "Lead me in the way everlasting." Leading only comes when we are capable of when we listen and trust God. However, on the other side of the coin is that if you relate to God more of as an intrusive annoyance or a prying parent, my my encouragement to you is this. I'm so grateful that you're here to hear this this morning. My encouragement to you is to take this psalm and read it once a day this week. Read this psalm and then take note, maybe in a journal, maybe write it down on a scrap piece of paper somewhere, what aspects of this uh, of God that are communicated here are bothering you, what do you find offensive? I guarantee that there's something in here that you go like, wait a minute, that's bothering me." And then I would encourage you to take some time this week to consider and explore why it is that those things make you upset about God. And then at the end of the week, I want you to read the psalm again, say come Saturday, and ask if anything about this has changed Has God worked on you, Meditate on God's statement from Isaiah where he says, Fear not, for I am with you. Fear not, for I am with you. God's promise is not to harm you. God's intention for your life is not to destroy you. God's intention for your life is to be blessed. That his presence would dwell with you. That you could pray like David. You know when I sit down and when I rise, you know me better than I know myself. You know my playbook. And yet you are with me. Father, thank you for this good word.